This week on the Guardian Audio Edition. Paul Harris and Ed Pilkington in the US report on the Ohio kidnapping. Tobias Jones on the murder of an Italian paparazzo, a tale of bunga bunga, blackmail and organised crime. And in our audiobook review, we turn to Life Writing with Simon Armitage's Walking Home and Julian Barnes's Levels of Life. To subscribe for free to the Guardian Audio Edition, go to audible.co.uk forward slash guardian or find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Audioboo. The Guardian Audio Edition, a new way to get the whole picture. The Guardian. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week we get spiritual. Brooklyn hip hoppers Flatbush Zombies and play Name That Tune with East London art rockers Charlie Boyer and the Voyeurs. And in Singles Club, we'll be rating, reviewing, and maybe rubbishing new tunes by Daft Punk, Eric Lau, and Jamie A. Brown. That's all on Music Weekly from The Guardian. And so, joining us in the studio this week, is this your first time on Music Weekly, Laura no, Barton? No, I think it's my third, perhaps. Really? You, you, was I here? I don't remember you being in before. Yeah, yeah you were. Was she I? obviously made such a deep impression on you, Alexis. I, I, I <laughs> probably was so excited. Remember, yeah, I think so. you were in the Down, Down, Gibson, down Gibson stuff. Yeah. Remember? What, what? What are you talking about? She, uh, Laura brought in a Dawn Gibson track, and then we right. were talking about how... the. F- how Dawn was pronounced D A U. Oh right, right, right. I thought you, I thought you meant that song by that woman out of Destiny's Child. Oh right, <laughs> oh Kisses like Down Low. Kisses Down no, Low. I don't think Laura would bring it I don't, 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 don't want to think about low. that record anymore. Um, right, okay, okay. Well, there we go. Um, well, so um, Laura Barton, what have you been up to recently? What's in the news this week for you? Uh, lately, I've been doing a lot of running around doing interviews in America, and next wow, week, what, what in aid of what? In aid of the. Guardian, right? You may have heard of that publication and another publication, and um, one of them is phosphorescent. And uh-huh. next week, I'm off to Naples to watch Mr. Bruce Springsteen. Fantastic! Mm-hmm. That'd be very nice. I hope so. Um, and you are writing a piece about obsessive Bruce Springsteen fans. I am indeed. Have yes. you interviewed Michael Hand? <laughs> I introduced Michael Hand to Bruce Springsteen. It is because of me. What? Literally? He, well, no, no. But he loves Bruce Springsteen because. I infected him with the fire. Wow, really? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Really? We used to run a a club night together, and and I insisted that we finish the night playing Born to Run. Right. He couldn't get it. Right. Until... We played Born to Run. Everybody loved it, and Michael was was a convert. Wow, how amazing. What are are diehard Bruce Springsteen fans like? They run the gamut of crazy people to kind of... Is there actual crazy... Oh, God, yeah. That's interesting, right? Because you always think certain bands, certain artists Mm. attract proper nutty, you know, Beatles fans, a lot of Beatles weirdos, you know. Yeah. One of them did, you know, murder one of the Beatles. Um, <laughs> Pink Floyd is always kind of people saying stupid things about Pink Floyd. You know what I mean? Yeah, Pink yeah, Floyd yeah. records, and I always think it's to do with there being a degree of mystery around a band. Mm. You know, Pink, Pink Floyd is sort of something slightly mysterious about Pink Floyd, and into that void, crazy people pour craziness. You yeah. know, um, whereas Springsteen seems an approachable, you I know, th- everyday guy. I think it's more of a um, the kind of craziness that is beneath the surface of a very sort of suited and booted middle-aged man uh-huh. who will suddenly decide that he's going to take all his 
um, holiday from his executive job to follow Bruce around Europe or something. Right, 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 right. Um, right. And Hal probably has a secret tattoo. That right, but that's not real. Yeah, to me. No, but I think it's, well, yeah, it is just midlife crisis, I'm sure. But, into, but there is a void in their own lives and they're pouring what I could have been. You know, I could have yeah. worn the tight jeans. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. Yeah. British, British Bruce Springsteen fans, I always find there's an element of... American. Have you been to New Jersey? Have you, have you seen oh, really? those people? Right, no. Yeah. Well, I have been to New Jersey, yes. And, um, uh, yeah, you must have fallen over at least a dozen Bruce Springsteen fans. There, no? I guess so. I wasn't really looking for them. I went to a hip-hop conference in New Jersey. <laughs> and let me tell you, there are very places. few Bruce Springsteen fans there. Um, how is it different to people who are covered in tattoos and have shrines as their homes and stuff like that I mean is that the kind of degree of well I think it's quite often that they have more money to go and see him yeah. mm. and also feel a degree of proximity to them because they're used to being able to buy things mm. so they they feel that they're buying ownership of that person if you see what I mean rather than someone who builds a shrine mm. there's still that distance between themselves and, their, and their, the object of their affection mm. that's really does, does, does Bruce sort of interact with these people at all. He does sign a lot of autographs. He's famously sort of very, you yeah. know, will stop and talk to his fans. And, and you know, when he's at home, he will go out and about and just go to the cinema, apparently, and just, really? you know, will stop and talk to the fans. Yeah. How amazing. Mm. That sounds very interesting. Is this is this piece for The Guardian? It is indeed. Okay, I'm glad you're not popping some other publication. You can come on here. <laughs> you can read it in this publication <laughs> in the coming um, weeks. Kieran, what news with you? I was really interested with the story about the Canadian astronaut... Colonel Chris Caulfield, who's been in the International Space Station for six months, I think, and then he broadcasted a rendition of him performing Bowie's Space Oddity live from space the other an day. An odd song for an astronaut to sing, really. Yes. An astronaut, you know, disconnecting himself from, from reality and, and floating off uh, to his death. That's why it worked, though, and it was, uh, yeah, it's quite beautiful. Well, I haven't seen it. Was it. Is it a sinister performance? No, it's quite beautiful. It, it kind of, it does smack a little bit of a guy who spent quite a lot of time on his own. Yeah. But, you know, that's to be expected. Wow. I quite liked it. How quite uplifting. Uh, my uh, daughter, mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year, performed uh, a dance at the Brighton Dome to Space Oddity. <laughs> Amazing. Her class, or the members of her class, <laughs> Uh, they had a medley, right? It was brilliant. And it was one of those things where you couldn't quite work out how the medley was going to work. I could see the link. Here are the three pieces of music in the medley. The music from 2001, A Space Odyssey, or also Sprack Zarathusa. Nice. Outer Space by The Prodigy. <laughs> a Space Odyssey by David Bowie. Right? Wow. Um, and you know what? I went to Mock, and I didn't go to Mock. I, went to my daughter. Yeah. I stayed to Marvel. Oh, it was, shout it was, out as my Could you recreate it here for us now, Alexis? Um, you know what? It was an alarming, literal, alarming, literal <laughs> interpretation of Space Oddity's uh, lyrics. Okay. Hence, um, take your protein pills and put your helmet on. The best bit was when uh, the children were floating in a most peculiar way. That was, that, was, that was just one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. You, you want to see... 36-year-olds who've been left to their own devices to float in a most peculiar way. It's, it's just mega. Anyway, on that, I'm sure you're all fascinated yes. by uh, my, my, my family news. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what other exciting things have been happening this week. Daft Punk, but we're going to get on to them in a bit. Mm-hmm. So, without further ado, let us move on. Heavenly record signings, Charlie Boyer and the Voyeurs. 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 Do you see Bo- why this is niggling me? Mm. Boyer this, the and the Voyeurs. Is me a little bit. I do like them, though. Um, very good band. They sound like New York circa 1975, or a certain bit of New York circa 1975, mainly around the whole CBGB's area. Um, they've got haircuts to match, despite actually being from East London. Their debut album is out in a week or two. Furthermore, they are playing at this weekend's Great Escape Festival in Brighton. Um, they're at the Haunt on Thursday, the Dome Studio Theatre on Friday. Um, 
if they're playing the studio theatre at the Dome, I would get there about 12 hours before they're due to come on, or else you're not going to get in. Um, but anyway, uh, Michael Hamm seized the opportunity to sit Charlie down and test his musical knowledge. <laughs> I'm here with Charlie Boyer of Charlie Boyer and the Voyeurs. Welcome to Music Weekly, Charlie. Hello. And you're submitting yourself to a first in Music Weekly history in which we're going to play Name That Tune with no prizes, whatever, at the end of it. (laughs) Um, But I hope that we will learn something about your band via this means. Now, tell me a little bit about uh, your debut album, which is coming out very shortly. Yeah, it's called Clarietta, so it's next month. And... um I don't know, it's very much it's a debut album. We recorded it quickly. We did it with Edwin Collins, who's, I don't know, a very interesting like um, musician. Definitely a singer. I, I, like, I really like the way he sings. I think I've probably like, stolen a few bits and bobs off him in the past. He's, he's really reinvented himself in the last few years as producer of choice for, for young British bands. Um, does he have a particular working technique? I think one of the benefits of working with him is he's had that, the same studio for about 20 years now, and he knows it inside out. He knows every microphone, he knows every amplifier, every guitar every compressor, so, and, and, he, and he's very hands-on. He'll run from one room to the next and, uh, you know, kind of just humming ideas and, and uh, just, just, like, helping out in lots of different ways. So I think he's very, like, very passionate and exciting to be around, and so I think that's probably why I enjoyed working with him. Well, let's kick on with some of the records I've selected to test your musical knowledge with. Uh, let's start off with this. <laughs> Sounds like it's probably television or something, right? You had that in less than ten seconds, I would say. That's uh, Omi Amore by Television, mm-hmm. uh, a bootleg recording. I've never heard that version of it. Television, a name that get dropped a lot in writing about you. Yeah, definitely. I have no problem with that at all. I think they're fantastic. I wouldn't say um, they're my favourite band, uh, but they're probably one of them. You know, I, don't know. I really like the way he sings. I really like the interplay between the two guitars. Really, really simple. Drums, yeah, I think they're fantastic. The whole group's really good. Well, when did you first come across television? Probably in like when I was 14, 15, like everybody else, you know. That cover, the cover of Marky Moon is um, a really iconic thing, you know. It's one of those CDs, when you see it in HMV or whatever, you kind of knew you're going you're gonna to buy it, you know. Did you like it from the word go? Because I, I remember buying Marky Moon as a teenager, loving the Ramones, loving a lot of New York punk, putting Marky Moon on and thinking, that's his prog rock. There's no distortion, which is a weird thing to get your head around when you're, yeah, when you're kind of buying a punk record. I found that really interesting that they made that decision, you know, because it's very, it's very easy to hide behind distortion, I think. And yeah, it is, it is more complicated, and there's solos, and they take different solos and things, which is a bit prog rock or something like that. But I think they managed to keep it really interesting. I don't, I don't really know how exactly, but they managed to make it not self-indulgent. Let's move on to our next track. Now, the Velvet Underground, they're, they're kind of the urtext, aren't they, for the kind of music that you play? You, you can't play that kind of rock without knowing the Velvet Underground, can you? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I really like what they took from like, things like Bo Diddley, like late 50s stuff. I really like the way they reinvented it, you know. And, yeah, I think they are there. Again, like as I was saying about the uh, Marky Moon, you know, when you see it in the shop, you know you have to buy that one. It's the same thing with the Andy Warhol, the first album. And that, that, that clipped 
sixties R and B guitar thing that the Velvet Underground do on you know, on on a we're going to have a real cool time together or, or what goes on was that a sound that you consciously took on since there's quite a lot of that in in, in, in the voyeurs isn't there yeah yeah the, 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 the rhythmic style and and the like, and the chord changes as well there's really kind of classic chord progressions which you can kind of twist you know and make make sound really exciting just using those same three chords you can play them in a thousand different ways and i really like the fact that four songs or something on that first record are just d to g but they're played in such strange ways that um you know it's it's good and of course they look great they which look matters good. exactly yeah it's really important i think for bands to look yeah like either like a some element of, of danger or glamour or something in every group i think that's really important well, when I saw you guys at the bar fly before Christmas, I think that was the largest concentration of tight black jeans and Cuban heeled Chelsea boots in crowd and on stage that I'd seen in ooh, 25, 26 years since, since, since the heyday of C86 and Primal Scream. I'm proud of that. <laughs> Let's move on. should know this one. I it, can't remember it. This is a group who get mentioned sometimes in write-ups of you. This is, uh, that was Ambition by Subway Sect. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, I really should know that. that. Vic Goddard's amazing. Is, is, yeah. is American <laughs> rock and roll more your thing than British rock and roll, then, would you say? From that era, I guess. From the 70s. Like, from, yeah, I think I, I prefer what the Americans did with that punk idea than what the English did, I think, for some reason. What was the stuff that you were listening to a lot when you were growing up as a kid? Did you always have impeccable music taste, or do you have those those skeletons in your closet that you prefer not to admit to anymore? Uh, I think it's always been impeccable. <laughs> <laughs> what I like to do is um, spend time with with friends who know more than me, and like let them just play me forty five after forty five. And yeah, I guess I moved to London when I was like eighteen or nineteen, and um, from that point onwards, you obviously meet people that are kind of you know really really serious record collectors, and I think I like hanging out with those people and learning things off them. Well, where was the small town that you grew up in? Well, I was in, it was in the Forest of Dean, like a village, and I used to, I used to hang around in Gloucester, which was the, the local city. Presumably live music then was fairly... Well, gigs were few and far between, I would imagine. Uh, other than the local bands, yeah. There, was, there wasn't on the kind of circuit. You wouldn't get, you wouldn't get bands coming from America. You know, you'd have to go to... I went to Bristol a few times. I remember going to see, like, Brian Jamestown Massacre and groups like that, you know, like, in, like, a few, like ten years ago or something. And uh, does the legend of EMF still hold strong in the Forest of Dean? I was in a band with a boy at school, and I think his dad had some kind of story about them. I think. <laughs> he, had, he, had, he, had, he had a fight with them in some pub or another. They're, they're not on everybody's. They're not on the tip of everybody's tongue these days, I don't think. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Is 
sounds like a bit like the singer from New York Dolls. It is a New York group, very, very much talked about at the moment, although it should be said that uh, their London gigs the other week weren't in huge rooms, they were in uh, the Seabright Arms oh, and the Shackle Arms. Oh, is it that group? Oh, what are they called? Um, I think Flooring. Something court, something... Perfect. Parquet Court, yeah, 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 yeah. Master heard, of My Craft by Parquet Court. Yeah, I heard one of their songs, the Stone and Starving one, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, what, what interested me about them was the fact that you know, they're not actually from New York, but they've moved to New York because they wanted to be a New York group. Yeah, nice, I'd do that. <laughs> and, <laughs> is it, is it, what is it about the mythology <coughs> of New York music that compels the imagination so much, do you think? For me, obviously, the, the first New York band I got heavily into were the Velvet Underground. And then, and then it followed on to yeah, the stuff that happened in the early 70s there and into the late 70s. I don't know what it is. I mean, the way that they twisted punk with these kind of references to girl groups and things, these kind of more glamorous or more like kind of dangerous, sexy things that they were doing rather than the kind of just like the straight kind of political kind of English style. I mean, that's probably what attracts me. You know, this kind of twist, this kind of effeminate twist that they put on really primitive kind of sexual music, I think it's good. Let's move on to the next track. That is indeed On Returning by Wire. What record is that one on? That's on uh, the third record. What's that? Is that 154? The one with the number? Yeah, 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 okay. I haven't got that. I've got the one before. I think it's Chairs Missing. Is that the second one? Chairs Missing, yeah. yeah, I'm a really big fan of that one. I think that's... It's got yeah some really like sweet almost like love songs on it. They're really good, I think. Like, but the re- the reason I picked this one is that y- you guys were part of Wire's little festival in London the we, other week. We tell, were, yeah. Tell me how that came about. We were literally just asked to do it. I mean, I've, I've met Colin Newman about three years ago, or something when I played in a different band and we supported him. In fact, I actually at one point tried out to like help out doing some guitar for them at some live gigs. Didn't get the job in the end because. So quite a different kind of guitarist to what they needed. So it's the guy yeah. from It Hugs Back, isn't it? He's playing with them now. I yeah, think, yeah, a guy with long, long hair. Yeah. yeah, he's really good. I saw, saw them play the other day. I'm a cleaner guitarist. I come from the television school of guitaring. Mm. Basically got asked to do it and obviously said yes. You know, it's kind of a really obvious thing. A good thing to be involved with. And um, have you already started thinking about how your sound is going to evolve? I mean, with one album done... Yeah, definitely. This year we record in January. Next year we want to record the second album again in January. My plan is to kind of get a song or two a month demoed from now until then. Sound-wise, we've talked about it, me and Sam, who's the guitarist of my band. And I think something we're listening to a lot at the moment is um, the Plastic Ono band album, yeah. that Lennon one. I think there's something so amazing about that record. And I think the, the reason is because it's quite sparse. And, you know, so there's, they can, you can afford to have these amazing slapback effects on the drums and vocals because there's so much space there. You know, He only plays piano like at the top of each chord change there's no kind of constant rhythms that's something I might want to try I might try and demo some songs with, without that kind of constant bow diddly rhythm try yeah. ones that just accentuate the changes and leave space for different rhythms so I think that's something I want to try definitely but you know whether or not it will, I'll feel the same in a year I don't know but. before we wrap up tell me because obviously I've selected records here that fit into a very particular view of what you're all about yeah you've been quite kind I think <laughs> well t- tell me a record that uh, that you love which would surprise us all this morning um, I was at my friend's house and he put on um, Emily by Hot Chocolate you know that one Emma Emily I'm gonna 
write your name high on that silver screen Emily Emma Emily I'm gonna make you the biggest star this world has ever seen That's, that's an amazing song like the, vo the vocals on that are incredible towards the end so yeah I think that's quite a surprising one hot chocolate <laughs> but we're not we're not going to be seeing you out at the um I was about to name some hip form of a trap. We're not going to see you out at a trap night in, in the near future. No, I don't know what that means. Well, there we go. You, yeah. well, you and I know about as much about trap music as each other. <laughs> Charlie Boy, thank you so much for coming in. No problem, thank you lot. That was Charlie Boyer. Boyer. Um, playing Name That Tune with Michael Hamm. Charlie Boyer and the Voyeurs. Boyer and the Voyeurs are, as I said, they're playing at uh, The Great Escape this weekend uh, in Brighton, along with lots of other people, but not Jaguar Ma, who I really wanted to see and have cancelled. Never mind. The debut album Clarietta, this is Charlie Boyer and the Voyeurs, uh, is out on the 27th of May on Heavenly. Let's move on then to this week's Singles Club. First up, it is my choice. Why don't I use the synthesizer, which is the sound of the future and I didn't have any idea what to do but I knew I needed a click so we put the click on the 24 track which then was synced to the Moog modular I knew that could be a sound of the future but I didn't realize how much the impact would be my name is Giovanni Giorgio but everybody calls me Giorgio That's my choice uh, this week. Uh, I just think that it's a shame for Daft Punk that they've been so denied the oxygen of publicity this year. Um, they've got this album out, and barely anybody seems to know about it. I thought I'd give, give Daft Punk a little bit of a publicity <laughs> boost that they so desperately need. That is uh, the track Giorgio by Moroder from Random Access Memories, which is coming out on Monday and is currently available uh, on the iTunes uh, website to stream and uh, certain legal spots on the internet are able to download it too. Um... I love it. I really like it. Mm. I think what you're expect, what seems to be happening now, at this exact moment in time, we're recording this on Wednesday, is you're getting this kind of backlash against the dance. It's just things move so fast these days. The album isn't out yet, <laughs> and people go, oh, it's not all that. And I think they find themselves in a really slightly odd way, Daft Punk, in a, in a in a kind of invidious position because the weight of expectation that's been placed on the kind of shoulders of this one album is such that. Nothing could live up. You, you cannot hope to live up to it. On the one hand, it means that success is guaranteed because everybody is going to go out and buy it. It's going to be a hugely commercially successful album. However, there's also a sort of sense of anticlimax. It's almost bound to be built in because you cannot make a record good enough to warrant the kind of speculation and excitement that there's been around this album. And there are some quite boring bits on it. There's about three tracks I think are quite dull. But... The good bits are really, 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 really good mm. and are kind of unprecedented and I kind of thought, and I think this is a brilliant example. I spoke to Thomas Bangalter from Daft Punk earlier this year and he told me that this track was, uh, how French are Daft Punk? This track was influenced, not by music, but by Francois Truffaut's 1977, 1970, 1967 book of interviews with Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I was like, yeah. I said, oh, so you know the track Georgia Barroda? Have you heard of Francois Truffaut? Yes, I have. You know? <laughs> uh, brilliant. I think it's just a fascinating piece of music. I think it's a sort of really interesting thing to do. It's and so the, the title slightly gives it away. Well, the first time I heard this, uh, we take to record and weren't told the titles of any of the songs. So this started, and I weren't told them any who the guests were. This track started. I was like, who is this talking? And that bit we've just heard when he went. Mm. But everyone calls me Giorgio. It was like, yeah, it's Giorgio, <laughs> right on, it's Giorgio Moroda. And then the bit we didn't hear, the track builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up, and by the end is totally mental and has this kind of screaming Roland 303 kind of acid line on it and stuff like that. It's a really, really exciting and actually quite moving, I find, piece of music because mm. it's so obviously heartfelt in its appreciation of the work that Giorgio Moroda did in the 70s and 80s. And that's pretty much all I've got to say about it. Laura Barton. See, now, I'm not backlashing. I do actually like a lot of this uh, new Daft Punk record. This track is not particularly one of them. I like the top and tail of it. I really like where it goes mental at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love the beginning where Giorgio is speaking. Mm. And I'm intrigued by it and I want to know who it is, as you were saying, you know, that mm. that was your first thought. What I don't like is when the music starts. And I just think, well, I know where this is going now. Right, Ultimately, right. I don't because it goes super crazy. Yeah. But all the bits in between, I just feel a bit like, oh. Interesting. I know what Daft Punk are going to do now. There's going to be a twiddly bit and there's going to be a whatever. Right, 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 right. So that's, that's, that's um, I felt a bit... A bit let down? A bit underwhelmed? Let down. I just felt a bit blah about it. A bit blah? Okay. That's Sorry. Fair. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 it's, 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 um, it's good to have a wide spectrum of opinion. Uh, Kieran? Uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was, like, it really moves through euphoria really, really well and it's, it's quite well-paced um, and surprising at the same time. Um, and I like that kind of meta experience of discussing moments of feeling you know liberated or feeling free from restrictions and then suddenly the music emulates that and yeah there's a kind of i think there's a sort of weird balance on the track between documentary and fantasy mm. and that bit where he starts talking about the click track and all there is, is a that bit is so great and then by the end of it it's kind of this very uh, rococo florid mm. interpretation of what he means by you know music of the future which has got some mental guitar solo and synthesizers mm. all over it and da 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 yeah, because it's clever, but it doesn't feel like like techie clever. No, it, it feels like very organic and feels like they just really know what they're talking about. And just when he's talking in that in that tiny snippet, you could just hear. Then it still sounds so euphoric. And as soon as the music comes in, I think that would be. I mean, it works really well in this setting. There is really something well very club. optimistic about the Daft Punk album. I think it comes from a slightly more negative place than 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 people realise but I think they've very deliberately made a record that sounds as unlike an EDM record as they possibly can mm. to sort of go okay, this is nothing to do with us you know everyone's <laughs> saying we invented it we don't you know but it's something kind of incredibly optimistic and like you know music has this power to move you and, yeah. you know mm. uh, which is a lovely thing uh, and it'll be intriguing to see what happens da- Daft Punk's previous records are dementedly influential mm. in that you know you can't 21st century pop music sort of begins in a way with, with discovery by Daft Punk. But also, and, I think on this, you feel like you're you're slightly being made privy to the process, which mm. has always been something that you know is not attached to Daft Punk. And you know, this is them kind of talking through all of that with you. Yeah, there's definitely really an element of that. And I think mm. the, the bad bits of the album are the bits where they've got so lost in the technique yeah. mm. that they've forgotten to write a song. Yeah. You know, it's tracks that sound like air. They sound like yeah. the band air. They don't sound like. That. <laughs> um, so anyway, well, look, uh, Daft Punk's album, as you may have heard, Random Access Memories, is in all good record shops on Monday. Let us move on to Kieran's choice. <laughs>
That is Eric Lau, Every Time by Eric Lau, featuring uh, Rahel. Mm-hmm. Rahel, is that you pronounce it? Excellent. That's Kieran's choice. Kieran, tell us all about Eric Lau and indeed Rahel. Um, Eric Lau is a North London-based... Is he? Um, yes. God, I wouldn't have put that record... I know, that's why it's interesting. Um, producer and DJ, um, who I've been a fan of for a while. Um, and to, yeah, I mean, this sounds very kind of Americanized. It sounds like that school of James Poyser, D'Angelo, um, kind of soul, R&B, hip-hop mm-hmm. sound. And yeah, I think that he's very beautiful. This is the follow-up. This is from his album, One of Many, which is out later this month. And it's the follow-up to his 2008 album, New Territories, which was kind of in this similar vein, but didn't have so much kind of power of the production, I think. Like mm-hmm. this, you know, I mean, her her vocal, her soulful vocal is like incredibly beautiful on this. But I think equal to that, you're really locked into that production, the way he used drums and the way he used beats. And I think that that's done really well here. And... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just beautiful, isn't it? Like, just it's just it's very kind of emotive, very beautiful, very catchy. I think it works really well. I think it says something quite nice about uh, the way that R and B is moving and kind of those soulful influences. I think we've seen a lot of um, you know alt R and B or whatever you want to call it, which has really been twinned with electronica. Mm. But I think that there's also this school which is very soulful, so nineties kind of ish. As well. Really, yeah. you can imagine this sort of cropping up on MTV in yeah. between a video by Jeanne and a video by uh, TLC. Exactly, and I like that. I think that um, as exciting as the new crop of R&B is, it's, you have to be careful not to think that that's all it is. It's not all Defy and Solange. There is also no, absolutely. Kind of no, no, very soulful really element to it as well. I like it very much. Um, Laura, do you like it very much? I like it very much. I think it's very beautiful. I like the sheen and the polish of it. Um, and I, I agree, it's nice to have that soulful element coming back into R&B. Um, it doesn't quite set me on fire. Mm-hmm. I listened to it on repeat many times, and uh, I started to feel as if I was at my Pilates class, because it's exactly the type of music my Pilates <laughs> teacher plays. Really? It's um, not Pilates too. It, only my teacher, maybe. I don't know. I'm going to be a bit more sort of wind chimey sort of music. No, Pilates. no, 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 you're confusing that with some form of yoga, I'm sure. But um, maybe just the studio I go to. Anyway, in that, uh, I couldn't quite place anything new in it not that anything has to sound new at mm-hmm. all but I just wanted maybe a little bit of a mm-hmm. a slight tilt to it to reinvent it but it is gorgeous so going back to your Pilates class yeah um, <laughs> do, and, and they play sort of bump and grindy R&B all the way not, not really bump and grind but right. kind of more you know sort of swingy R&B type wow Smooth. New Jack Swing R&B. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, interesting. Come along, Alexis. No. Um, <laughs> um, Kieran, you feel free, though. Okay. Yeah, absolutely not. Wouldn't, wouldn't like a bit of Pilates? Well, I'm Asian, so I do yoga, one. And two... What music do they play in, 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 in yoga classes? Um... That weird music is that weird like music? Cinematic that orchestra, you know, that, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Everybody goes to much hipper in Brighton. It's all like you know that weird floaty music they play when you go for a massage that doesn't really start or end and just seems to go on that. forever. I hate that. Yeah, I hate that. I wonder who makes that music. We should do. We should do a piece on that. We should track them down <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> stop them. <laughs> <laughs> Let us move on. Eric Lau's every time. Uh, sorry, uh, just to. to Rewind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Baz every time featuring Rahel is out. Now, finally, this is Laura's choice.
Crikey. Um, that's uh, Jamio. Jamio? Jamio. Jamio Brown. This World Ain't My Home. Um, mm-hmm. What a peculiar record. Tell us about it. <laughs> um, he is a jazz percussionist from mm-hmm. New York City, and um, he's uh, played with Stevie Wonder and Q-Tip and Santana and loads of people for years. Mm-hmm. And this is from his album Transcendence. Um, for the benefit of our listeners, does that song get going later, or is it pretty much is that kind of what it's like all the way through? It, it has, it, you know, it has a sort of crescendo, rise and fall, mm-hmm. and then it comes back in again. Okay. And um, to me. He's very interested in, in spirituals from Alabama and has gone and sure. researched them. And is particularly interested with a group of other musicians in creating sort of new African-American music in okay. New York that's very influenced by mm-hmm. their heritage. It really so much reminds me of sort of a modern version of um, Darkest Night, Colds the Ground, the blind Willie Johnson song, which is one that I love. I find it, it's got that loneliness. It's got that sort of call and response quality to it, which you would expect from a spiritual from, or from the African-American church, mm-hmm. but... But it's almost as if no one's quite responding. So mm. it's just more of a call. And I yeah, find yeah, yeah. that I really, um, I find that so moving. So. Um, I really liked it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I sort of, I, st- I didn't really know anything about, about Mr. Brown. Um, <laughs> but you can definitely see that kind of, you said it's New York. Mm. Like New York jazz tradition. Yeah, yeah. That sort of hip you know, not hip in the people who are hipsters now, but that kind of like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. ESP disc kind of... Uh, he's, he's the son of two musicians, and, you know, I think he's been very much raised in that kind yeah. of hip. hip. Yeah, no, it's, it sounds to yeah. me like something that could have come out on ESP disc in yeah, about 1968, yeah. which I think is a good thing, you know, I mean, ESP disc, great label. Um, I, I, I would be intrigued to hear more by him. Yeah. Um, but you do get the kind of southern churchy sort of quality to it. You get that kind of sense of... I find that sort of religion you get in uh, South America. It seems to combine, you get it in country music a lot as well. Mm. Um, seems to combine this real kind of transcendent mm-hmm. fervour with this very um, kind of harsh way of looking at uh, life. Complete, you, I, I went shape note singing um, earlier in the year. Have you really? I'm obsessed by shape note singing. When did you do this? This is brilliant. Uh, <laughs> I did it in January. Wow. In uh, in North Carolina, and um, and what that has oh man, show, it's it's like it? a sort of what would you say? It's like white gospel, singing, yeah, isn't it? Okay, but but it's all from this songbook where it is this incredibly hard way of looking at life. It's like basically life is so hard. Mm-hmm. Thank God we're all going to die soon. Mm-hmm. But there's something very beautiful in it at the same time. It's not quite as gorgeous as you know gospel. It's very very moving music. Yeah. It's very because people are fucking singing mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's, there's no oh, holding back, yeah. and it's not got that kind of. Gospel has that kind of sweetness, mm-hmm. honey tones, but this has been wildly off track, but it's really worth hearing. Yeah. What I like about this, as I like about Dark Souls Night, is this, then it's not about honey gospel necessarily. There's a sourness to it, which mm. I think is sometimes unusual to find in that realm of music. So, Kieran, yes, what did you make of this? Uh, yes, I liked all the um, electronic textures. It's, it felt quite texturally rich, doesn't it? Um, while also having quite a meditative quality. And I was thinking, it kind of just because we were talking about Pilates earlier, it just reminded me a little bit of puja, which is um, like a, a, a kind of meditative prayer thing you do in the mandir, which is a Hindu temple. And you know, this it kind of it's this similar quality. There's like sitars and there's drums and there's the dhol and the dabla, and there's so much kind of going on, and there's kind of all these crescendo of noises, and it seems still quite meditative. And this is like it felt mm. like that. Like it's quite a lot going on here, but um, it's still. I don't know. It's, it's an quite interesting peaceful. idea, isn't it? Because it's the kind of opposite of, of that floaty music yeah, exactly. we're talking about. And when it's more effective. meant to make you meditative. And in fact, mm. you know, uh, you can actually be have sort of hypnotic meditative music that's incredibly 
cacophony. Yeah, absolutely. You just like Hawkwind. Very much like Hawkins. <laughs> um, well, there you go. What what, a, what an interesting conversation <laughs> this, uh, this, this record has sparked. Uh, Jameo Brown's album, Transcendence, is out on June the 10th on Matoma. I'd like to see him live. I was about to say, he's apparently incredible live, and a friend saw him last night in New York uh-huh. um, live, so I'm trying to, I'm waiting for him to wake up and report. I wonder if he, uh, it's kind of the sort of music that it sounds like he'd probably have quite a big band and yeah, it'd be yeah, hard um, to bring yeah. over for financial reasons. I, guess, I feel so. Um, what a shame. Anyway, that's Singles Club. <laughs> Michi Darko, Zombie Juice and producer, rapper Eric Ark Elliott. He should try a bit harder with his name. <laughs> if he's in a band with Zombie Juice and Michi Darko, he's not even Eric Elliott. Um, anyway, they are the Flatbush Zombies, an East Coast hip-hop group from Flatbush in Brooklyn, the same place as Barbara Streisand. Their single, Thug Waffle, was one of the most striking rap songs of last year, and they followed it up with a mixtape entitled D-R-U-G-S, which stands for Death and Reincarnation Under God's Supervision. Of course it does. Um, Kieran... Had the pleasure of meeting them. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh. It's Juice from the Flatbush Zombies. It's Darko from the Flatbush Zombies. <laughs> Eric, the architect for the Flatbush Zombies. So, you guys are fresh from performing last night. How mm. was it? It was fucking crazy. It was at the Alibi in East London, yeah. right? Yeah. Then, before we even walked into the venue, it was a line, and there was a dude just bloody, bloody like man. blood on his face, like, we're marching already, like, we're ready. That was a good sign. Whenever you see blood, it just shows you people came to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, though. It was, it was a nice, sweaty, hot box, personal, kind of intimate, good show. How did it compare to a show in Brooklyn, for example? Nothing can compare to a show in Brooklyn, because I'm from there, and I'm biased, mm-hmm. but... It was his own experience, like, nothing could compare to this. There was a woman that grabbed my balls. Yeah, man. Really? She grabbed my balls and then tweeted about it. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about you guys. So you are Brooklyn Hip Hop Collective. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about you guys and your sound. I think a lot of people have a hard time defining what Brooklyn sounds like right now because it's so different. Um, I think our sound definitely comes from the shit that we listen to and we grew up with listening to Pac, Biggie, like the nostalgic 90s hip-hop music. Like, that's the foundation, at least for me. Uh, that was the foundation for me even making music in the first place. Like, inspired my production, inspired, like, every part of this whole shit. Do you think the acts like Odd Future paved the way for you to be more eccentric characters? Because I think that there's been a real resurgence of, you know, kind of eccentric hip-hoppers. Acts like Odd Future? There were a lot of people besides Odd Future that really, that made it so that you can really be yourself. I feel like we're just reaffirming it and doing it differently. Obviously, this is more metaphysical. This is about something it's very spiritual. So, you know, I think nobody's doing it this way. Drinking that hurricane that got me fucked up. St. Ives in the blood, I be getting fucked up. Drinking that Coke for five that got me fucked up. Fuck is up. Shit, I'm fucked up. Um, I interviewed Chuck D a few months ago and he was saying that the drug culture of the time always influences the sound and you know influences mm. kind of what's mm, happening. Wow. 
and he was saying that you know G Funk was obviously you know kind of at a time of people smoking a lot of weed. He said that a lot of hit Public Enemy fans were smoking a lot of crack. Yes. So, but now there's a kind of resurgence of people taking acid. You know, people talking about Adderall, Molly, that kind of stuff. How do you think that that's informed, and do you think that's true? Oh, that's very true. It's true. That's if you look true. back at nineties, the aggression that a lot of people had, the crack era, like. The music really showed that shit. If you just even listen to the title of these albums, you look at the cover of Ghostface with the fish scale showing you, the music. this is what it's about. So like, oh, yeah. what he's saying is 100% true from the tempo of the music, everything, from the visuals. You know, um, our music is obviously going to be more vibrant and more colorful and twisted because we like psychedelics. Whereas you just said Chuck D is from the crack era. His shit was grimy, more in your face. Even the way this, the music is, it, of course, drugs definitely dictate the sound. And I feel like right now, I guess because our generation is getting older, people are starting to now explore things other than just weed. Yeah. I'm trying to trip and alter my mind and see other angles. So drugs, definitely, without a doubt, if not, is by far the main thing when it comes to, to dictating the sound for hip-hop, I feel like. I want to talk a little bit about the um, the drugs, D-R-U-G-S mixtape. What does it stand for again? Death Reincarnating Under God's Supervision. And where does the title come from? Um, our lives. Brains. <laughs> Brains. Brains. Psychedelic experiences. And your uh, belief in reincarnation? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I guess it all started with a thing called psilocybin, magical mushrooms. I took one time of juice, had a trip, kind of like resetted myself. Like, you know, like Super Nintendo, you push that reset and the game starts over. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like died. And you could say that, like, not literally my heart stopped, but it was the start of a new consciousness. I'm not the same person I was before. And I think that like you were, in a way, I was, but I wasn't. <laughs> you know, that's the only people understand. Reincarnation is not necessarily me stabbing juice in his heart and he dying he dies, and coming back. Yeah. Or this, as a baby, it doesn't have to be this either. Yeah, it's uh-huh. more than just a physical reincarnation. Is is a spiritual reincarnation? Some people look at epiphanies and say this moment changed my life, and then they focus on that moment to dictate the rest of their lives. I feel like you can die and come back numerous times, over and over and over again. Like it really. It's how you perceive death or what death is. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to uh, get touched and put underwater. Like crazy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Thank you guys so, so much. That's great. Thank you. Fuck the police. Don't be smoking like it's legal. That was the Flatbush Zombies talking to Kieran. They were brought to the UK uh, by Red Bull to celebrate the Red Bull Music Academy in New York this month. That's it for this week. Our thanks to Flatbush Zombies, Charlie Boyer and the Boyers, and of course, to Laura Barton. Thank, Thank you for coming in. Thank, Thank you for having me. Very interesting chat we've had. I don't know, maybe the listeners don't agree. Maybe they're, like they're bored of, you know. Bored <laughs> of I don't know. Anyway, um, check out guardian.co.uk forward slash music weekly for more information on the show. We'll see you next week. Take care. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.